Welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to all things Port Adelaide Football Club. I am your host for this evening, Macca19, and with me is regular co-host Fishing Rico4. How are you going, mate? Yeah, good, Macca. What about you? Very good, very good. And you sound we've happy. Got... Yeah, I'm very happy this evening. Um, we'll talk about that in a little moment. Um, and we've got our regular guest, um, Don Draper. How are you going? Good, mate. How are you? Good, good. Thanks um, again for having me. No worries. Not at Welcome all. Welcome aboard. Uh, we might as well get straight into it and talk about the big news um, of this afternoon, which is Jared Polek has finally um, been traded to the Port Adelaide Football Club. What do we think Woo! about that? Excellent. Fantastic news. So excited. Excited. I, uh, yeah, I'm really uh, excited to see what he's going to get. I guess the first key is going to be um, how he goes this pre-season. I reckon if he has a full pre-season, I think, look out. Well, it looks like Brodie Smith has been keeping him in shape, so that's a good thing. <laughs> and Lewis Johnson. <laughs> him too. He's been taking fashion tips from uh, Lewis Johnston, so that's uh, always good. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, is, is he as hard to gauge as what the pundits are, are thinking, though? Like, you know, the pick five but hasn't shown anything? Or, you know, has he actually shown something in the games that he has played and it's just been injuries that has sort of kept him out? No, it's definitely injuries and form as well. Um, he's definitely got some things to work on, um, particularly, I think, uh, positioning, especially at stoppages, um, learning where to run to receive the ball a bit better. I think he needs to work on that. Um, but look, if he can do that, um, if he's fit, I think he's definitely in the first 22 come round one. Um, and look, you know, this is a great trade for the Port Adelaide Football Club, I think. You talk about positioning at stoppages there. Well, um, Walsh coming on board is going to fix that right up, surely. And um, in injuries Massive. too, um, hopefully Burgess can, can get the best out of him. There's no doubting Pollock's talent. You know, he obviously can play quite a bit. And Brisbane just seems to be such a toxic environment. You look at Yeo, Doherty, Carnesis, um, Longer, and him. They're all going, you know, in the next, well, two have gone. I think the next, the other three will, will go tomorrow. I don't think you can really read too much into it. I mean, he might have needed, might need a bit of an attitude change, but we'll get that out of him. It's a big, big win for us. Yeah, look, I don't think he, he really has a attitude problem. Um, from what I've heard from a couple of Brisbane mates is that, um, especially on the track, there's been a lot of talk that, you know, he's a, he's a bit of a slack trainer and all this sort of stuff, and, and they've said that that's just a load of rubbish, you know, that he does train really hard. He listens to the coaches, Um I guess, you know, the attitude might come from, well, you know, was he homesick? Was he missing his twin brother? You know, all that sort of stuff. But then you look at all these other Brisbane players that are leaving at the same time. Um, I mean, is it just Brisbane that's the problem and not these um, sort of individual players that are the issue? Yeah. Mm, absolutely. It's interesting, too, how we got can two years ago for our culture and everyone's going to leave and, and no one left and, and now to compare, stack us up against Brisbane where, you know, everyone wants to jump off a, a sinking ship. We did actually quite well through the bad times and we're slowly starting to come out and see the good times. So, and I think uh, Jared wanting to come with us is, um, you know, a fantastic coup and irrespective of the uh, of our crosstown neighbours, that's got nothing to do with it. The fact that a young player who 
showing some potential wants to come to us, I think it's a big win for the club. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you look at us, as you said, you look at us two years ago and there was talk, you know, Butcher leaving, Trengove leaving, Moore, you know, all these young guys. You know, this is actually happening to Brisbane <laughs> and this is the yeah. situation that we could very easily have been in. But, you know, good on the players for uh, sticking by the club and, you know, I think they, they got the rewards this year and can see a, a bright future at Port Adelaide. Absolutely. It's very exciting. Now, I just um, want to talk about the trade itself um, quickly. Obviously, um, we're receiving Jared Polek, uh, pick 21 and pick 45, in exchange for our first round pick, which is number 14, and our second round pick, which is pick 34. Um, do you think that's a pretty fair trade? It is. Um, I wish we could have kept our first round pick. Like I, I know that was a long shot. I mean... Wasn't there a rumour we were going to do a three-way with St Kilda and get their pick 18? And I was much more on board with that. But, um, I mean, pick 21, pick eight, 18, not too much difference there, I, I guess. And I think it's, it, it's hard with the trade period. I mean, you're going to have to give up to get good quality players in. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. GWS are laughing, though. I don't know how they, yeah. they can happen <laughs> really well. Ridiculous. Yeah, GWS did well, but they had the position of power, didn't they? Because we needed them to come on board to get the deal done. And look, at the end of the day, I think because we didn't really want to offer any of our players up, and understandably so, why would we? Um, you know, it, it was always going to be that situation that our pick was going to have to be compromised. And I guess this is probably the right draft for the pick to be compromised. And uh, Maka, you probably know best in out of this anyway. But we probably we're not really sacrificing too much and picking up a real talent along the way. So it doesn't bother me at all. And 34 to 45. I mean, if it's a shallow draft like all the experts are saying, we've probably got just as much equal chance of picking something up there anyway. Yeah. Look, I think there's been a lot of talk. Um lately about, you know, having to win trades and all this stuff, and yet you don't have to win a trade by absolutely raping the opposition in a trade. You know, I think this is very much a winning trade for Port Adelaide. And there was a very smart post by Fort Support um, a little bit earlier on, uh, a couple of hours ago, which said that um, if we had just traded pick 34 for Polek, obviously we'd get to pick four, uh, get to keep pick 14. Um, but our second pick would have been pick 52, and our third pick would have been pick 70. Uh, with this, we get Polek. We've taken a little bit of a hit with our first pick. Now it's 21. But our second round pick is now 45, and our third pick is now 52. So we've, con- I think we've significantly improved our draft ranking, even though we've taken a slight hit with our first pick in this one. Yeah, it's fair enough. I think uh, I'm hoping that uh, it's a bit like how West Coast traded their pick six for pick 11 and something else to get, um, or to supposedly get um, Yeo from Brisbane. But... They're after um, Dom Sheed, is it, in the draft? And they're pretty sure he's still going to be there at six, at 11, sorry. So I'm hoping that um, the player that we're targeting at 14 might still stick around till 21 if it's going to be that even draft. You never really possible. know. It is quite yeah. possible. They might have a player in mind like um, that they've picked out to, to get that might slide, you know, so... Yeah. I mean, if you look at uh, previous pick 14s and pick 21s, I mean, there is a, a slight increase in quality with pick 14. Uh, you look at the best four players over the last sort of 10 to 12 years that have been um, picked with number 14, in, and you're looking at Grant Birchall, Angus Monfries, um, Jack Grimes, and Lewis Jetta. Um, obviously, there were some misses in there as well. Um, looking at Ashley Watson, uh, Jimmy Seller, and Fergus Watts. 
Um, and pick 21, the best players there were Matt McGuire, uh, Ryan Bassanak, and Hayden Ballantyne and Tommy Mitchell. So you can still pick, uh, definitely still pick uh, pretty good players with pick 21, that's for sure. Is there anyone you're... Sorry, um, no, sorry. You Tom. But are you, anyone excited that you, that we might pick up at 21 boys? I was, I'm hoping that that marsh might slide on from the reviews I read. I, I think that might be encouraging and, and fit a need. Yeah, um, I am hoping that Aish will still be there at 21. I don't know about the chance of that. <laughs> no, I'm not keen on Aish. <laughs> um, Ar- no, Aaron Fiore like... Mark 2, I reckon. Oh, really? Well, I've actually read he's going to slide like quite a bit, they reckon. They reckon he might even be go- or going all, all, all the way to 6 to Collingwood, but I can't see that happening, surely. Yeah, I'm not sure he'll slide that far. Yeah. It's... Possible, I guess, but you never know. Maybe he was tank- tanking this year. <laughs> My uh, knowledge is about top 10-ish and then it drifts off a bit. So, Look, I think with pick 21, there's there's a, a core group of South Australian players that I think we'll probably look at. And you're talking about sort of Luke Dunstan, you're looking at uh, James Battersby and Trent DeMont. Um, they're probably the three that will you know, might still be there. Um, you would think at least one will be there. Um, maybe Luke Dunstan might slide that little bit extra and, and go to pick 21. Um I don't, I don't know. I guess, it. you know, do you go small or do you go toll? Do you pick the best available toll with that pick? I think we have to. I think I think we're, you know, taking in White, Pollock, uh, with the backup mids we've got, I think we really need to bring in another toll. And I, I think I'd roll the dice with another toll. We have to. And I think, as we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, when uh, someone pull, pulled it up on the on the board as well, I think we're going to have to really look at maybe uh, playing... Cleary as a, uh, a swingman and up forward also. Yep, could happen. Yeah, no, I could see that, yeah. I mean, there, there, there might be some uh, interesting tolls around. Jonathan Marsh, he's probably one that will still be there. Um, Cameron McCarthy might slide, maybe. Um, if McCarthy we... slides, that would be fantastic. I, I be was keen to take him with our pick 14. If, we, if he's still there at 21, I don't think he will be, though. I haven't met, read much about McCarthy. There seems to be uh, a lot of mixed reports from the supporters on our board about wanting him and not wanting him. What's the uh, why, why is there such a uh, inconsistent approach to to that guy? The negativity. Well, I th- well, you go, Don. You go. No, I think he. Um, I think he, he. He got injured pretty badly, didn't he, at the start of the year? Yeah, he hasn't played a lot of footy. Um, yeah, that's, that's probably the main negative about Cameron McCarthy is that I think he comes from a basketball background. Um, he didn't play a lot of footy last year. He sort of stormed into um, sort of the state under-18 squad and, and had a pretty big championships until he broke his leg. Um, so he's still kind of a bit of an unknown um, in that he hasn't played a lot of football. But obviously the raw talent's there, the raw um, sort of physical potential is there. Um, so I guess that's where the negative sort of connotations with picking McCarthy would come from. I guess. So he's a, he might be a potential uh, late bloomer then, you know, take a few more years to develop. Well, it's, uh, still, a, a, yeah, it's yeah. still a risk. It's a risky pick to pick McCarthy, I think, um, just because, mm. you know, he doesn't have that big sort of three, four, five-year, um, you know, junior background of, of big performances um, in football, I think. Yep. I could you be completely mistaken. Pick, I could be completely mistaken, and he could have this big bloody um, history with football. But I'm pretty sure he's <laughs> he's uh, not from football and has a basketball background. You say right. it's a risky pick, but he won't be there at 21, surely. So someone's going to take a risk on him. 
Yeah, you would think. Yeah. yeah. It, w- it would be pants down lap around the table time if he falls to 21, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, the, Mac- one, the one I'm really keen on is uh, Darcy Hurrigan. That's the one that I'm pretty keen on. And whether um, that's too big a reach, picking him at 21, or whether he'll still still be there with our um, pick in the 40s, I'm not too sure. So you an SA boy? Yep. Okay. Place for South and you, Adelaide. And you're, uh, and you're confident that you reckon Pollock will slot into our round one team? I would think definitely, so. I don't see why he wouldn't. I don't see why he wouldn't, yeah. Yeah? So do you think what he'll start straight in the midfield, or do you think he'll be a flanker to start with? Um, I would hope he would uh, start round one on the wing, to be honest. Yeah. Yep. So pure winger? Oh, look, I think he's played, um, looking at his history at Brisbane, I think he's played a lot of good football um, in the State League as a back flanker, sort of in a Pittard-type role. Mm. Um, so I think he can possibly play that sort of role as well. But, okay. I mean, we, we've got him for a midfielder. Um, you'd want him to play as a midfielder, I would think. Is it just me, or is uh, the idea of Hartlett on one wing and Pollock on the <laughs> other wing, if he plays to his potential, very exciting? Very, very exciting, Rick. <laughs> oh, I'm, quite excited about, I'm quite excited about having White on the other wing, I think. Yeah, I don't, I don't know enough. Of, I haven't seen enough of the Richmond games to, to see the upside in White. I'm backing in everyone else's opinion on that one. But, um, you know, I guess, yeah, it's just, we've spoken, like you said earlier, we've spoken about it before, but, uh, you know, will he get enough ball on the wing? But uh, it, well, at least we've got those players now with X Factor. You've even got Pittard that could go onto the wing as well. Exactly. I think, yeah, um, main issue this year was definitely lack of pace. And with White and Pollock coming in, we've definitely fixed that. Um, we've improved our depth in terms of midfielders as well. And you'd think um, guys like Ben Newton and, um, and Brendan Archie will also push for selection, you would hope, next year as well. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. So we've got a lot of options to go through there, which is good. And even Aaron Young, I think, will step it up again next year as well. So we should be starting to develop that uh, real pressure for spots in the team, which is ultimately what you need to create a good team, isn't it? Yeah. I think considering we have picked two midfielders, and also we can't forget about Flynn as well, um, I definitely would be looking at um, going tall with our first pick. Ah. Unless Unless there's a big slider... Um, I would definitely want to be going tall, I think. Unless someone like Sheed or, um, I don't know, maybe Salem or someone like that um, drops down or Freeman, um, which I can't see happening. But if that happens, I, w- I would pick them. But otherwise, yeah, I think we should definitely go tall. I agree with you completely. I think our um, recruiting in the last few years has just been so spot on that I will back our guys in to get the job done again and we'll get an amazing pickup, um, I'm, I'm sure, just like Wines and Wingard in previous years. So how come, that's a good point you make about the recruiting. Um, you know, a, three years ago we were all maybe questioning our recruiting and now we're all very happy with the recruiting. What, what's changed in that three-year period? I, don't, I can't think of anything overly structural that's really changed. Look, I'm not a big fan of Jeff Parker. I've made that known on the boards. Um, I'm still pretty critical of the players that we've picked um, over the last few years. Um, I guess Wines fell in our lap and Wingard fell in our lap. But you look at, you know, we picked Ben Jacobs when we probably shouldn't. Um, Young hasn't done much. Newton hasn't played a game. O'Shea's been a good pick. Um, Archie hasn't done much. Blee's 
delisted. Um, so, look, yeah, I mean, I, I still think we've got a lot of work to do in terms of getting our, our late picks right. And that's where I think, you, you know, that's where recruiters should be. That's where their rep, reputation is made with getting those late picks right. And I think for the last, certainly under Parker, um, and certainly a bit before that, I don't think we've done that at all well over the last sort of seven or eight years. With that, though, is it the recruiters or is it the clubs that the, the higher draft picks are coming to that they're already set up in such a way that they give these these players confidence to go on and become better better players, you know? I don't know. I think any, any man and his dog would have been able to tell anybody that Matthew Westhoff with a second-round pick was going to be a big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and situations like that just should not occur at all. We're sort of, we're sort of falling back to the... Uh... The Choco era of the uh, let's pick the the injury prone or development type player that will turn into a great player sort of I thing. I think you're being you're being a bit of a killjoy for me there, Matthew. <laughs> Sorry. I think we're just well, trying no. to keep it in the family a bit with Matthew Westhoff and Marlon Motlop. You know, we're just trying to create some big happy family atmosphere down uh, at Jennifer. That, that's Choco all over, if you ask me. <laughs> oh, look, you know, we've I think we've definitely got you know a lot of picks right and probably a lot of picks wrong. Um, that's uh, sitting on the fence there. Obviously, you know, winning games helps. Um, you know, the fact that we, we made the finals and reached the semi-finals this year, that um, makes, you know, certain sort of areas of the club look better. Um, and look, I, I do think we've got a pretty good future on our hands and I do think we've got premiership potential um, with our squad set up at the moment. Obviously, there's a there's a few more sort of keys that we need to get. We need to get another forward. Um, we definitely need to get... Um, you know, someone like Polek to really come on and, and reach his potential and our first round pick this year. And, you know, if guys like Wingard and Wines can continue to improve, um, you know, we need another key defender, like a tall key defender and probably another good shutdown defender. Um, then I think we're in real premiership potential land. You're not calling our window open, though. Oh, no. I th- not, not, I think not like our cross-town neighbours. No, I think we're still, yeah... Definitely a couple of years away from that, I would think. <laughs> hey, um, there was also uh, Peter Peter Rowe was on that radio station that we don't like to mention, and uh, he was saying that they've just inked a deal with a new development coach, uh, which was a, a ruckman, and uh, it just is put on the board that he reckons Brad Ottens might be the man. I reckon that would be a wow. pretty good signing. That'd be that, a great would be, that would be an excellent signing, I would think. Well, he is an Adelaide man, so maybe he does want to come home. I'm sorry, I can't. I keep. I'm looking at the thread at the moment, and all I'm looking at Easy Cross posting that picture of Darren Jarman in the showdown. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just crap. <laughs> the pies. Stay away from the pies. <laughs> Ottens would be a massive get. That would be a, a massive get. Well, I mean, we were talk- would he be as a ruck coach plus development coach or just a th- development coach? No, I think that's what... Well, I know Road, I overheard Road say ruck coach, but then I had to close it. But uh, you'd imagine it'd probably be a bit of both, surely. You would think so. Yeah. That would be massive. Obviously, um, he would have a connection with Hinckley, would he not? He well, would. Definitely, yep. Yes, yes, of course. So I was just making sure I was right there. <laughs> I know, that's a good point because I've been... Since Hinkley's been on board, I've been waiting for a former Geelong player to sort of join our coaching panel, and uh, I thought we would have poached someone eventually, and maybe that's the one. Yeah. 
Well, South Australia is turning into Geelong with uh, Sanderson, Milburn, Hinkley, and now Ottens and Hocking. <laughs> Crazy. Mm. Well, the cities are probably about the same size and scale. Bit of relativity there. If well, only we could get that's a bit harsh on Adelaide, right? I think. <laughs> I don't know. I went to Brisbane on the weekend, and I got to say, we're falling behind, man. Yeah. No <laughs> doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, it's nice, but I mean, the other player was um, we spoke about was Laid and. I thought maybe his role at Richmond was probably a little bit more um, uh, sophisticated with Richmond than maybe a ruck development coach at Port. Would you guys agree? Yeah, I mean, when um, I first heard about it, you mentioned the ruckman coming over, I was hoping it'd be it would be late, <laughs> to be mm. honest. But um, I can't see him leaving Richmond. Like I just think that he's. I, I think he'll be there for the long haul with them. Like, I think he's pretty set there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I think so too. Yeah. I, I think I think that post about Ottens, I reckon that might be on the money. It'll be an interesting announcement when it comes out. Mm. So well, did Rhodes say that to, today? Yes, he yep. told, said that to, uh, I won't say his name. <laughs> you guys can to. say it. I'm not saying his name either. So um, have but, you guys posted in the thread about your uh, starting 22 for next year yet? I don't think I have, no. Rick? No, no, I haven't. I've been, I've been waiting for the, uh, the dust to settle, and it's settling quite well, but I think I'll That's wait for fun. our... Uh, <laughs> I think I'll wait. I think I'll wait for our, um, our uh, draft pick to come in yeah. first, but I think with the two new signings, They'll, they'll probably slot in. I don't think uh, any of our draft picks, I reckon, will slot straight into the team, especially if we pick at all with our first first round pick. It would have to uh, be something uh, extraordinary, I reckon. I was going to ask you guys who um, Pollock comes in for, you know, for your round one side next year. You just ruined that. I reckon... Uh, for, <laughs> oh, I for, can still give an opinion on yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. For for my team, I think uh, it would probably be. I'm just trying to think what I would put down. It'd probably be an Aaron Young type, I guess. And they said maybe I think I did have Youngy in there, so Youngy probably goes out. So Polwick. Yeah, look, probably... I think um, I think if I'm going to use uh, the semi-final team as a template, I would <laughs> say Young out, Pollock in, and probably Cassisi out, White in. That would be my two changes. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I agree. I think Cassisi might make way, and I'm, I'm sure the type of player and person he is, he'd probably be happy to start off in the in the uh, in the background and work his way into form. And and uh, can I pick on the whipping boy and and say maybe uh, Tom Logan might fall out? He had oh, one great I think final. That's, that's pretty fair. Yep. Yeah. One one great final and one not so great final. Um, but he back-ended the season pretty well too. So, I mean, it is a hard call. But ultimately, I think going forward, it's, um, you know, Aaron Young needs to step up and I'd really love to see him stamp his authority in the in the pre-season and in, in the training as well and, and cement a spot on the side because that's where the future of our team is, isn't it? Yep. So I guess um, the only other thing to say about trade week so far is do we see any other trades being made um, tomorrow? Like a sneaky trade. I can't see us doing anything, no. From us or anybody, because if it's from us, I don't think we'll be doing anything. <laughs> I meant particularly from us here. <laughs> well, I think we'll try and uh, get um, maybe Jared Pollock and pick 21 for pick one, maybe. 
Oh, it might work. <laughs> yeah, maybe potentially. <laughs> no, I, mean, I can't. Gumbleton's still out there. He's um, you know, he's still out there. He might have committed to f- going to Frio, or he might stay at Essendon. But and he's still maybe a, a very, very small chance. But, I'd I guess, love Gumbleton, but I don't know what we could possibly offer to get him. Well, better than 58, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I think um, Freo are offering pick 58, so we've got pick 52, so that might... Yeah. We should try and throw pick 52 at Scott Gumbleton then. <laughs> I think surely, Peter... pick 58, surely someone's taking a punt on him before then. But maybe he's come out and said, I, I really just want to go back home. So yeah, it's, it's possible. I don't I think mean, he's specifically said... Um, Frio or nothing, but yeah, I would think Frio's definitely in the box seat to, to do something there. Well, I mean, otherwise, it'd be worth rolling the dice, wouldn't it? You know, giving it a go. I mean, because we need that key forward. Um, you know, I, w- I would have rolled the dice on it, so I can't see why we wouldn't have unless he said, look, I really just want to go home and the club's gone. Yeah, fair enough. In terms of key forwards, I'd probably be looking at um, picking up Aaron Cornelius as a delisted free agent, because I think now that um, uh, Jackson Payne has gone to Brisbane, uh, I would think Aaron Cornelius is in quite a bit of trouble um, on that list. And I, th- I think he's got a fair amount of talent. I think he's uh, he's got the capability to be a 30-plus goal forward, um, and I think we could get him pretty cheap. Well, what's Are been the annoyed? problem with him? Sorry, Tom. Okay. Are you annoyed we didn't go after Jackson Payne, Macca? Yeah, I don't think we... Ever would have, but yeah, yeah, he's someone that I earmark sort of, you know, later on in the year, and you know, he kicks a lot of goals in, in the state leagues, and probably just needs a chance to step up, um, which probably wasn't going to happen behind Cloak and Reed at Collingwood. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I would have definitely liked him, but um, these things happen. It was a good pickup by. Um, it was a it was a good trade by Colin actually. They've done really well, and now I guess he'd be he'd be behind Jesse White there as well. So, yep, yep. I'm actually I'm actually a bit dirty on how well Collingwood's um, done this trade period. It shouldn't be that easy. They've done no, excellently well. <laughs> Turned up with two uh, two top uh, two top ten picks. Um, yeah, fantastic effort. Plus getting uh, Adams um, and a Jesse fantastic White. young midfielder. Jesse no. White, I still don't see it with Jesse White. I still think I he's no, probably the second worst key forward in the league, to be honest. I think um, the big win for Collingwood, they also managed to get rid of Heath Shaw. So. Well, that's it, yeah. <laughs> even, no, um, even if they have to pay some some of his wage next year. <laughs> look, they've lost Shaw and Thomas, and you know they're going to get some short-term pain, but obviously long-term, I think that's uh, that's some pretty smart trading for them. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, we don't want to talk about Collingwood too much. I know. Um, I know, Don. You you wanted to talk about the first showdown, though, didn't you? I absolutely did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, more so, just the uh, the the fixture that that's come out. So we've got round one. We're away at Carlton, and that's in the first week of round one. And then we have a week off, and I think. Uh, and then the week after that, we have the showdown. Now, in that second week, I believe the Crows are playing Geelong away. So we'll have a week off before the showdown, and the Crows will play Geelong before they get a crack at us. So I think um, that's fantastic. That's brilliant for us, you know. That Carlton game will, will be tough, though. There's a lot of confidence on our board um, that we're just going to smash them, which is great to read, but um, that'll be a tough game, you know. I think if we win that, it'll be brilliant. Know, well, we'll they've, um, they beat us twice this year, so it's yeah. definitely not going to be a walkover. No, and I think um, 
Malthus will have of going, you know, this year didn't work out quite as well as they had planned. And they still believe that they're um, a bit of a chance, I think, Carlton. I don't quite know where that's coming from. But they'll be really hard, they'll be re- really hard to beat. And we don't play Eddie Hadwell either. You know, if that game was at the G, I'd be a lot more confident. I mean, I still think we, we can win. But, um, yeah, I think that would be a really big test. And it, I'm looking forward to it, you know. That's the thing about when you want to be a good club, you have to play in big games and win on the road against good clubs and that's what we're going to have to do. Well, that's it. We know that um, that the fixture is going to be a bit tougher this year with the new yep. sort of uh, fixture rules, I guess, that the AFL have committed to. Um, and look, if you want to play finals, then this is great. I think this is a fantastic thing because, you know, it gives us fantastic experience in playing in big games um, before we reach the finals. So um, I'm all for it. Very Absolutely. much looking forward to it. And it's almost a, a game, even though it's only one game, but I think if we come out and we play well and we win that game and we win at Etihad and we beat Carlton, I mean, it's going to give us a lot of optimism coming in for the rest of the season, I think, and it shows that the boys are really switched on from the start. And, and obviously, with what you're saying there, with the break for us leading into the showdown, we must be the, uh, the AFL's uh, golden team in Adelaide at the moment there, Don. <laughs> Absolutely. But um, also, don't um, like winning early games. We thought this year it, it makes such a big difference to get a few early wins, just in the confidence of the whole team, because they get that belief that they can go out there and win. And I guess there isn't as much pressure on them. Like, if you win your first game, it's just like, all right, we've done that. Now let's keep that feeling going and move on, you know? Like, it's just great. I mean, we won our first five this year, had such a great year. I know the draw was a bit kinder to us, and it's going to be ne- next year, but still. Mm. Should be exciting. The first showdown at Adelaide Oval. The you guys obviously will be going there and and all excited and looking forward to it. I'll definitely Absolutely. be there. Yep. I probably still would have wished that it was a Crows home game. To be honest, just so we could beat them um, at that first at that first showdown at Adelaide Oval in front of their home crowd. I would have loved it. No, it's it's, it's good that we're hosting it. I actually um, had uh, the fright of my life when. Uh, my, my brother's getting married the week before, but when I looked at the fixtures and it was round one, round two, and it was March 22nd, I was like, oh, oh my God, Like he's getting, he's getting married the day of the showdown. I'm not going to be able to go to the wedding. Oh, okay. Clearly, I'm going to go to the footing. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I was like, oh, my God, this is the worst. And then I realized that because it's at the AFL and they have some stupid agreement with the cricket grounds, that round one split over two weeks. So the showdown's the week after. So I can go to both. <laughs> That's it. And what about Alice? Do you think playing Melbourne and Alice would be a bit more of an advantage to us than playing it in Darwin? I don't know. What's the, what's the major differences? Like, it's still really really hot isn't it <laughs> yeah, exactly i don't think there's any difference i think the uh, the only difference is that we seem to have some bad karma at um at uh, the darwin oval so hopefully we get some good karma in alice mm, mm. yeah but you, you guys happy that we're still playing that Northern not really territory game uh, i'd rather be done with it. i'd rather just play in melbourne to be honest yeah i mean i must admit it it, it, it sort of agitates me there. Really? Uh, yeah, no, that's neither here me. nor there, really. I think um, I think we missed probably a bit of an opportunity. I know um, we've got a few um, Northern Territory supporters on the boards, and um, speaking to um, one of the old moderators, Dream Killers, um, and they said that the club really missed an opportunity to really cement itself in Darwin um, to begin with, um, going back sort of ten years ago. 
Um, but now, I mean, what do we actually get out of it? Um, you know, I don't think we get anything out of it financially or, or anything, really. So I'm, I'm really neither here nor there. I think it's, you know, it's nice, but, you know, if they did away with it, then, you know, it's not the end of the world, to be honest. Well, that's why I'm not a big fan. It's horrible as well, isn't it? Playing uh, the week after, coming yeah, back. Yeah, we have, we have bad stats. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, yeah, if, we, if it rotated and we had the home game there once a, every second year or something, well, fair enough. But I feel like we're just the, the poor cousin going up there every year as the visiting team. And um, I don't know. I just don't, I don't see it really as a branding, as a successful branding exercise for us. Anyway, it just seems to be the Melbourne club seems to get all the uh, the branding when it's played up there. So, yeah, I know it's probably off-putting for the Northern Territory supporters that like it, but I just uh, I can't see. I'm with you, Don. I'd rather play Melbourne and Melbourne if that's the case. Especially if you get to play Melbourne at the MCG. Absolutely. Yep, probably yeah. be our one and only game. Yeah. Mm. Now, as we've done for the last three weeks, um, we'll continue on with our player reviews for 2013. Um, the first player this evening is Darren Pfeiffer. Um, last year, he played 16 games. Um, he was kept on the rookie list for a second season this year. Didn't get a look in at all. Um, his form at SANFL level was steady without being all that fantastic. He had a big finish to the season. Um, had a good final series, but he only averaged 16 touches a game. Um, and there was lots of talk that he came... Uh, back to pre-season overweight, um, and maybe his cards were marked then. Um, Don, how did you see him um, potentially fitting in this year? Yeah, was, I think it was always going to be tough for Darren. Um, I think that he's one of those players where he's a very good SNFL player, but he's just not quite good enough for AFL. Um, he just probably lacks a bit of polish to really make it. I mean, he seems like a really nice guy and everything, and it's sad to hear that he came back a bit overweight, if that's true, you know, because... It seems like if he's not a hard worker, then he really is going to struggle. And obviously, he didn't look after himself over pre-season. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that our midfield was really good this year. We had a lot, lot of depth, and he was just at the back of the bus there, pecking order, though, unfortunately, for Darren. Not, it's not hard to uh, not disagree with you there. Um, double negative, Don. Double um, <laughs> it was, yeah, I don't know. There was, there was not much hope. Darren, I guess, wasn't it? But I mean, he well, he was on three AFL lists, so he obviously showed something uh, along the way. But obviously, he just couldn't put it together, and he's just fallen behind the pack. And uh, you know, I guess that that happens, and he'll probably just be a, a, a good player for Nord. And he's had a he still granted out a bit of an AFL opportunity, so he's, he's done better than most people. He was quite a determined player. Like I think, I mean, he's obviously played um, at, at three clubs, so he's gotten cut, you know. In, not given up, which is great to, to see. You know, it obviously um, says a lot about his his character. I remember during that game we beat North last year, where we came from nowhere in the last quarter. He won some. He had a great game. You know, he he won some really big one on ones that really really um, helped us. There. I think we were on the one three in a row beat Gold Coast and Carlton the week after us, and um, he was great. You know, so I remember thinking he maybe he was going to be a bit be a bit of a player for us, but maybe. That was just around his level, you know, where our side was then. Yeah, he sort of he turned into a little bit of a cult hero last year. He yeah, had a really good period of about five or six weeks where he was, you know, in the best players and and played some really good footy, 
And then he got inexplicably dropped, um, and it seemed to just absolutely tear his confidence apart. And he was never the same after that, and he wasn't the same this year. Um, look, got him, good on him for, for grinding out um, a bit of a mini career. Um, obviously, he was a first-round pick for the Crows um, way back when. Um, he got delisted after two years without playing a game. Then he went to Carlton, um, played a little bit there. I think he probably wasted his opportunity a little bit there. And then he tried to get on Gold Coast list, and then he came to us. So he's, he's been around the bush a little bit. Um, you know, he's got an SANFL premiership now and, and played some, you know, some pretty decent AFL football um, when he's had the chance. But I think he was always up against it a little bit this year, and you know, it's no real surprise that he got delisted at the end of the season. Uh, next player on the list is Jasper Pittard, um, one that Pittard. we speak... <laughs> the hyphen, um, one that uh, that we've spoken about a bit in length um, on this podcast uh, in previous weeks. Um, how did we see his year? I loved his year. I'm a massive fan of uh, Jasper. I know he, he's uh, got his critics on the board. I, as you can tell, I've jumped in first before anyone could say anything. I wanted to, I'm going to get on the front foot and defend him straight away. I, just, I love his run. I love, I love what he can provide us from defence. I think he's got great flair. His, his kicking is nowhere near as bad as what people make it out to be. And uh, I understand that uh, he uh, might miss a few defensive contests every now and again, but I mean, he's what, only 21? And uh, he's just started to grow into his body. And I think next year he's going to be a fantastic player for us. And I don't think hardly anyone's going to bag him next year. I've got a lot of faith in Jasper. He's actually 22 and a half. So he's, you know, he's getting, getting on a bit, I think. Um, oh, yeah. That's why next year should be his year, shouldn't it? It, it has to be, I think, yep. I have a pretty controversial view, um, like Rick. I, I actually really like Jasper Pittard. We seem to be the only ones, mate. Um, I don't think he can, like, as you, you mentioned him defending, um, he's terrible in a one-on-one contest defensively, and he just seems to have no awareness in that regard. But his run is fantastic, and his finals were good too. His last quarter against Collingwood was great, and I think that's going to hold him in good stead. He still needs a bit of composure, but that, that'll come, you know, with uh, playing... Um, yeah, as he offers a lot of run and dash. Where they play him next year, I'd like to see him push up the ground a bit more to a wing. But um, yeah, no, he he's locked into our uh, twenty-two in round one. If you ask me, yeah, there's no doubt he's locked in. I think he's he's definitely part of our best twenty-two. Um, I'm critical of him because he's a first-round pick and he just needs to be doing a bit more. Um, and needs to That's be enough. And just needs to find a bit of extra composure. I mean, that's my real sort of um, negative about Pittard is just that he seems to fret every time he gets the ball and, and more often than not probably makes um, some silly decisions. Um, and defensively, you know, at times he can be completely non-existent defensively. So, look, I, I think the two games he played further up the field um, against St Kilda and Geelong, I thought he was, you know, close to our best player in both of those games. Um, so I think he's got a real future um, pushing further up the field. I'm just not sure he's ever going to be that, um, you know, that decent defender that they're probably trying to turn him into. Yeah. I think there is a one, there's one player that's coming up in our discussion that's worse uh, defensively one-on-one than Jasper, Jasper Pitter. So <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that. I'll point it out when we get to him. Well, I'm sorry, Rick, but Adam Kingsley is no longer on the Port Adelaide list. Oh, damn it. Oh, oh. 
<laughs> Don't disappoint me, Mecca. Sorry, Bombsky. But... <laughs> uh, I like Adam Kingsley as well. <laughs> Kinga was a good player. He just uh, he went from being a very good midfielder to an absolutely terrible back flanker for a couple of years. But if I, if Jasper Pittard could kick a goal late in the in a last quarter for winning grand final, I'll be pretty happy, mate. So I will be absolutely stoked. <laughs> No doubt about that. Um, third player that we're going to talk about is Jared Redden. Um, someone that he's, he started the year in the side. He uh, busted his shoulder really bad against the Bulldogs in Darwin, um, and he wasn't seen for the rest of the year after that. Um, I think all talks that we're going to try and groom Redden to be a key forward next year. Is that correct? That seems to be the the talk of the off the off the big footy board anyway. Um, I'd for that. He looks alright when he goes forward um, and I think Loby's year in the ruck means that he'll probably be a number one next year so Redden, I mean Redden's going to play um, so I think he'll be that that third tall I guess. Um, he's a monster though when he rucks, like, I love him and um, he just needs to get his body and fitness right I, I, I guess but I think if he does that he'll give uh, Loby some, some competition for the number one spot. Yeah, um, you probably heard me talking about Redden being as a forward, I guess if we're with that um, forward or two short, I think he that's a, that's the spot, and I guess he's going to be lack. We might be lacking a little bit of uh, defensive pressure with uh, Reddo up there, but uh, I think it's a good mix if we can get him to fit in the forward line as well, because that allows us to play that second ruck, also play play him as a forward, and he's had a few of those influential games in the forward lines, which I think Mackie pointed out a few weeks ago, and. Uh, but I thought his season overall was showing great promise and improvement. It was just unfortunate that he picked up that shoulder injury. But hopefully he puts in a massive pre-season and uh, he grinds it out and he gets back fitter and he can play that forward ruck role that we're looking for. Yeah, there's no doubt he's part of our you know, plans for, for being in the side, I think, on a weekly basis. He's just got to get fitter. Um, and certainly playing as a forward, I'm, I'm not sure the club's come out and said anything official about that, but it certainly seems to be the talk on the boards that, you know, we should try and groom him to be that sort of marking toll forward um, who can also go into the ruck, maybe like a Brad Ottens, um, how he used to play at Richmond, I guess. Um, and look, all, all throughout Redden's junior career and his senior career to date, in everything except for AFL level, he's been able to kick multiple goals. Um, you know, SANFL, SANFL reserves, and the underage teams. He's had you know match-winning, best-on-ground performances as a forward in each of those competitions. So, I think it's just a matter of time before he can sort of you know hopefully pull that out at AFL level as well. And look, I think um, a ruck duo of Loby, Loby's proven that he can be a number one ruck this year. I think Redden's um, actual ruck work is better than Loby's. Um, if he can get himself fit, I think we've got an absolute ripping, you know, ruck duo, um, which would be pretty hard to counteract. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Um, we're going to stay on Ruckman for a little bit longer and talk about Brent Renouf, um, who played a few games this year. He found it a little bit tricky to get into the side. Um, he, he had one ripping game um, against the Crows. Um, but apart from that, he was uh, pretty well a mainstay for Nord. Um, where do we see him fitting in? Do you think he was lucky to stay on the list? Yeah. Uh, he yep. had to stay on the list without, without uh, lack of height. But um, I think he was very... I've been very underwhelmed with him, even though he was coming to us off, off an injury. I, the one thing I thought he was coming with was with aggression and a very physical player. 
And I really haven't seen much of that in his play. He's just so slow, Renouf. That's what I... He's, he's just so slow, I find. Um, I mean, we need him at the moment because we're, he's our third ruckman. So if one of those guys goes down, I'm, I don't really like playing West off in, in that um, swing role. I mean, it worked all right last year, but I think we need, like, Redden and Loby, that they're our one and two ruckman, you know? I think Redden's just there just in case one of them goes down, really. I think 10 years ago, Renouf probably would have had a bit of a better career just because he is a bit of a dinosaur. He is pretty slow. He can only play in the ruck. He's not a good mark. Um, pretty much all he can do is tap the ball, really. Um, and, you know, 10, 20 years ago, that's, you know, that's okay. That's what you looked for in a ruckman. But this day and age, you want a bit of, you know, you want the fitness, you want the pace, you want the marking ability. You know, Dean Cox has sort of, you know, turned every Ruckman to try and become an extra midfielder. Um, and Renouf definitely is not that. <laughs> he's a bit of a uh, Fabian DeLuca mark too, perhaps? Oh, he's significant. <laughs> Fabian DeLuca <laughs> looked like he struggled to walk. He looked like a baby <laughs> giraffe that had just popped out and couldn't stand properly. That's that's what DeLuca looked like. Renouf <laughs> has actually played some decent AFL football and won a premiership. And you know, he, he's actually a pretty decent player. Um, and if we were to have him as the number one ruck, he would do a pretty good job. It's just the fact that, you know, if, if we want to play two rucks, we pretty well can't if uh, Renouf is one of them, mm. which is the mm. issue, I think. But look, I, I think he's a, he's a good backup. Um, you know, Redden's been injured every single year so far. Um, and we don't know if Loby's going to continue to develop. So at, at the very least, Renouf stays as pretty decent backup, I think. Yep. Uh, next player on the list is Nick Salter, um, someone that, uh, you know, almost a bit of a forgotten man on the power list over the last couple of years. Didn't play a game his final two years on the list. Um, he turned from a, a pretty effective um, sort of third toll forward. Uh, the club, or mainly Dean Laidley, tried to turn him into a, uh, a key defender, which had mixed success. Um, where did it go wrong for Nick? Just on Nick Salter, I still haven't seen his amazing goal in the SNFL, Rick. I still uh, haven't either. No, haven't you? I, I tried to no, YouTube. I tried it, to I... find it. Yeah, I can't. I can't find it anywhere. We might have to go to the SNFL board. I'm telling you, it it was freakish. Surely, one of the listeners out there can yep. find it for yeah, us. Sure. Where's Russell Ebert Hamble? He can find anything. So <laughs> we'll, put the, we'll put the call out to him and see if he can get it done. I love Nick. Um, I think he is going to be the what might have been player for us. You know, he seems to have the talent, just never really given a go or he was injured and things just didn't work out. You know, I think uh, in another life, he could have been a fantastic key forward for us, you know, and he's almost the, that, that third tall that we're looking for now, you know, it's, well, that's uh, it. I mean, we, it, was, it just didn't one. seem to get a, just didn't a seem goal, to get a go yeah. at all. You know, even when he was kicking goals earlier this year, you know, he was still out of the side. Even when Butcher wasn't performing, he he still didn't get a look in. Um, even when Daniel Stewart couldn't get in, you know, Salter just seemed to be bottom of the list. I'm not even sure why we bothered to keep him this year, to be honest. Um, yeah, I think people in, were saying... In hindsight, it just, yeah, it was just a yeah. strange decision. But He's another Adam Thompson. He's another Mitch Banner. And But I, honestly, I think we the coaches really stuffed this one up. As far as I'm concerned, he he looked good as a forward, and I don't know. Sometimes with the coaches seem too busy to teach players a lesson and re-educate them or whatever, and sometimes you you got to let him play. And I mean, I don't 
know Nick personally, but maybe he's just one of those guys that, you know, you just got to get around him and back him in and give him an opportunity. And he just never got that and never, never developed. But, you know, he was a bit of a, a cult on the board. Everyone wanted to defend him and, and see what he could do because he sh- did show a forward presence in the SANFL level. And we, we just never gave him a, uh, an opportunity. Well, yeah, he's definitely, he could have been, you know, he was a big mark. He could take a contested mark. He was pretty quick. Mm. Um, you know, over the first sort of 20 metres. Um, obviously, a massive kick. You know, those goals he kicked in his debut against St Kilda, both from outside 50. He kicked a goal in every game he played as a forward and then just one pre-season. Um, whilst we were still screaming out for key forwards, we decided to turn him into a defender. Um, it just seemed a ludicrous decision to make, personally. But Oh, well, these things happen. And, um, yeah, what could have been for Nick Salter? Well, it's... So also Liam Jarrah got the leap on for that amazing mark. I think it was, yeah. I think it was, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was probably always going to be remembered for. He'll still be featured on ads and everything for the next few years. <laughs> for that and absolutely that. clocking uh, Cyril Rioli in a big brawl. <laughs> not, not a bad highlight reel, though. No. no. <laughs> uh, next player on the list is uh, one of the board favourites in uh, Jay Schultz. Ah, uh, Super J. I love him. He's a great player. He's, He's fantastic. I have the uh, I have his number on the back of my Guernsey, and I'm so proud of it. Whenever I wear it, I imagine I'm Jay Schultz. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, he epitomizes the never give up attitude that the club's got. You know, he just gives his all, gets up, hits contest after contest after contest. He's just inspiring. You know, um, I have a bit of a man crush on him. Sorry. Um, I hope that we can eventually get the support that he we need to give him in that in speaking of uh, the third tall, you know. Butcher, you know, these types of off of of players that can just act as that foil so we can keep Jay going. He's just yeah, the greatest. <laughs> he's a fantastic uh, he's... player and look he, he had a bit of a, a poor start to the year in terms of injury. He uh, he stuffed his ankle a bit but yeah, you know, he he was still out there every week. He didn't complain. He still um, yeah. hit the ground. He still hit contests super hard. Um, and by mid-season, he started to hit form and, and finished with a very good year and, and kicked, you know, 45, 46 goals, whatever it was. And, you know, he's just such a consistent player. You know he's going to put in 100% effort. And, you know, some of the marks and some of the contests he hit, you know, are just freakish. No, it's courageous isn't it he's just an amazing courageous player and it's fearless I mean I couldn't really put myself in that position and I, you know how he does it without a second thought is amazing and really what we picked him up for is just a bargain you know it's a I can't believe that Richmond couldn't find a spot for him in the team when he's showing what he's showing now with us and really we just need that other tall in the forward line just to give him that support and he'd probably kick, you know, up to 70 goals in a season. He's a pure yeah. uh, dominant full forward. He, he just does all the right things and he's got a fantastic work ethic and he's a, a shining example for the for the younger players and, you you know, you can't buy that, can you? Well, look, I think uh, Schultz um, is someone that, you know, I look to for Polek and say, you know, there's always hope sort of thing because... There seems to be a lot of people on our board, and, and especially the Crows board as well, that say, well, you know, what's Pollock done? Why why should we chase after him? You know, paying pick 34 still too much. Well, you know, Jay Schultz was a first-round pick. 
Um, and he really struggled for form for a lot of his first, you know, four or five seasons at Richmond. Um, he came to us, and look how he turned his career around. I mean, who really would have seen that coming? I, I certainly didn't, and I'm not sure many Port supporters, if they were being honest, really saw him becoming that real key, super courageous, very consistent key forward that kicks a lot of goals that um, that he's become. He's the toughest player in the AFL, if you, if you ask me. I don't think anyone is... Well, I mean, there's a lot of tough players, but Jake is... He doesn't get the recognition for it, I think, you know? Like some of the other more high-profile names do. Annoys me a bit. Well, that's it. I mean, everyone goes on about Jonathan Brown and some of the marks that he used to take. Well, Jay Schultz has taken some of the most ridiculously courageous marks I've ever seen. And not necessarily mm-hmm. the ones that um, that are the high-flying ones, but... The one that always sticks in my mind was the one against Brisbane last year um, yeah. in, in round 22, yeah, I think yeah. it was, where he just, I think he was going against the flight of the ball and he got absolutely hammered but still took the mark. You know, that would have, if I got hit like that, I would have ended up with two punctured lungs and probably died. And, you know, he got up and kicked the goal and, you know, it's just those sort of things that he doesn't get the recognition for that he probably should, really. Yeah, definitely. He also loves the, the club. Like, if you go to the club after the game, he's always there chatting with fans. He's a really n- nice nice guy. And I remember uh, three-quarter time of the Collingwood game when he was running back to full forward, the port fans were behind the goals and he was clapping them and, like, fist-pumping. You know, he just, like, loves us. And, yeah. Ah, Jay. <laughs> That's why we Good love Adelaide him. Boy. That's why we love him. And we should just say, thanks, Richmond. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, For Mitch Farmer. Bargain. Oh. I remember being pretty annoyed at that trade when it happened. Yeah, I was as well, yeah. Would um would have Jeff Parker been involved in that Mecca? I'm not too sure. I don't know. Are we able to bump the thread when we got be. Jay on the on the board? Can we go back that far? <laughs> yeah, it'll be in the archives, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'll, be, I'll, I'll see I'd if I can bump read, it after yeah, this. I'd love to read the um reactions of uh, what, what people, people were saying. I think... From memory at the time, it was sort of like, well, we've lost a fringe player for another fringe player. So, yeah. you know, we, we probably needed another key forward with um, with Treadray getting on, and I think they only played the one season together. Um, but, I mean, look, when Schultz first started in his first season, I mean, he really struggled to get a kick his first sort of seven or eight games with Treadray in the side. And um, you look back at his time at Richmond, and he... he you know, he struggled also with Richardson in the side. So maybe just all along he needed to be that, you know, the main man, you know, the number one key forward, the main target. Yeah. Mm. He seems to like that role, doesn't he? Yes. Indeed. <laughs> um, moving on to someone that might be um, standing next to him next year in Mason Shaw. I like him. I um, I haven't seen him play, but reading his <laughs> reviews and looking at the statistics... Um, you know, I think he, I think he came on quite well, and you know, he moved from the reserves to the league and had an influence in the league. I don't think we could expect too much more from uh, Shaw from where he was drafted from and 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 his original uh, you know size and age. So I think it's, I'm quite optimistic if he can show that upward traje- trajectory again this year uh, in relation to his performance and really consolidate. Well, he'll be in our reserves side, won't he? So, you know, but really influence, I guess, the SANFL on our reserve side. I think that's a good positive sign for us as a club. 
I think we um yeah, I, I think we are really hoping he can come on next year, but he's still so young, you know? Like I mean, if he doesn't play next year then that's completely, completely fine really. I'd love to see him play AFL next year though. I'd like to see him play AFL next year based on dominant SAFL form, you know? I'd like him to come out and kick a few bags early, really play well and actually warrant um selection. Do you guys think he will he's our chance next year or Oh, absolutely. Oh, I think he's definitely yeah, yeah. a chance. I mean, we're screaming out for another tall forward. Exactly, yeah. If Butcher can't, you know, pull his finger out and, and get his body and his form together, um, then the spot is really there for Mason Shaw because at, literally at the moment we don't have any other player that could possibly do that. Um, you know, there's obviously we've just spoken about Redden. He might do it. Um, we've just delisted Stewart and we've just delisted um, Salter. So there's two other options that are off the list. Um, so I, I think if he has a big preseason, if he can build his body up a little bit more, um, you know, kick some goals and, and prove he can play in the preseason, then he's every chance to play round one. Really? You I think so. Yep. You reckon he might be a shot? I, I think, thought maybe mid-season. I mid-season, yeah. No, look, in, in theory, um, obviously I'm taking sort of the, the best possible case scenario there, but um, yeah. in theory it could definitely happen. Um and why not? Why not have that goal for him? True, true, absolutely. I'm, I'm a big fan for not setting any limits. So uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully he can come in and, and do that. But I guess I don't want to have that mindset of putting. Uh, and I'm sure we're only supporters, so what does he care? But uh, of having too much pressure on him. But uh, yeah, if we if we can get some AFL games out of him next year, I think he's going places. And I think um, the other thing to note is that I think Ken Hinckley came out and said that he's the player that he's most excited about on the list. So I think um, he'll be given every opportunity to perform and, you know, to, to improve and develop, um, you know, to be a little bit of a killjoy. You know, I think, well, you look at the history of the draft and you, you look at players, you know, especially key forwards that are picked sort of mid to late in the draft and, and it's quite barren in terms of those that do succeed and become outstanding footballers. Um, but if he can come in and play a role and become a 25 to 30 goal a year forward in the next couple of years, that would be fantastic. And I think he's got the pace, the contested marking, um, probably needs to improve his positioning a little bit. Um, you know, I'm, I'm all for him. I'm, I'm super excited about what he can do in the next couple of years. You'd argue that improving his positioning and stuff like that comes from actually playing AFL footy though, you know? Like and uh, adjusting to the to the different defensive structures and everything like 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 that. So and I have to say, yeah, of course, I am super happy he's not going to be at South Adelaide next year as well. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a bit of a barren wasteland is uh, the old South Adelaide behind, yeah, uh, especially considering they wouldn't play him behind um, Eddie, who was getting about three kicks a game for about three months there. So. Mm. Um, now that he's going to be in our system, um, you know, we, we have complete 100% control over how he's going to develop, which can only be a good thing. Of course. I just bumped a Jay Schultz thread for you as well, Don Draper. Thanks, mate. Beautiful. It's not, the, it's not his original signing, but it was his first best game in uh, 2010, I think. Brilliant. Nice one. All right, and the last player that we'll talk about this evening is uh, Louis Stevenson. Um, came to the club from West Coast, um, you know, was a mainstay in the side over the first half of the year. Um, his form was a little bit erratic um, and he got dropped um, and only really played the one game in the second half of the season. 
Um, where do we really see him fitting in next year? I think he's in that um, pushing for selection group, you know, like not going to play, but if he can put form together, he'll be knocking knocking on the door. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's that bad, um, Stevenson. I thought his early season form was all right. He was a bit up and down. Um, I'm going to have a guess and say this is a player that Rick thinks is the worst defender than Pittard. You got it in one, mate. Hey, you got it in one. Yes. Yes. He is more of a running. He's not a lockdown defender. He's more of a uh, like he's he's got a decent kick. He can run the spread a bit, but yeah, um, he's not quite there. But I don't know. Like I mean, he's obviously. I think he hardly played at West Coast from memory, right? Over yeah, he only played three. about ten games, and that was about three. He played them all in the one year about three yeah. years ago. So. Yeah, crazy. Mm-hmm. He pro- he provides good good run and he, and his kick's not too bad but I just think there's stronger players on the list and there's a lot of those, we have a lot of his type of player on the list as well now so um, if, unless he can stand out with his um, contested uh, play he's going to, uh, I think he's going to find it a bit of a, a challenge to be playing in the in our first 22 but saying that with some reference to Heath and Stevenson are redundant now, but they're still the quality depth players that we need. There's no point having 22 and then nothing underneath. So, you know, there's still a there's still a, a spot there for him. And if he can just improve his game a little bit, you never know. It could be a first 22 spot. I still think Campbell Heath's got a big future, and I think um, Louis Stevenson is, is probably a little bit up against it to stay on the list beyond next season, just because. Um, at that point, he's going to be sort of 25, moving on to 26. Um, and if, if he doesn't really knuckle down a spot in the side, um, then I'll see his spot on the list under question, to be honest. He's, he's one of those sort of almost there players in that he's got a fantastic kick, but he often misses the target. Um, we play him in defense, but he's not good defensively. Um, he's another I'd like to possibly see on a wing just to see if he can use his long kick to advantage um, into the forward line. Um yeah, I, I, I like him as a as a player. He just needs to improve it, probably another ten to fifteen percent, just to really you know have a big crack um, at yeah. two thousand and fourteen. I think. And that's it for this evening. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, remember to subscribe on iTunes again. Um, if you want to give us a five star rating, that would be fantastic as well. That would really help out the show. Um, Rick, do you have any more fishing tips, mate? I do, I do. Even though it's the the cooler weather has sort of impacted a little bit, but um, don't forget the value of the yellowfin whiting. I think it's right up there with the quality of the King George whiting, and and everyone can have a pun at the uh, the yellowfin whiting from Brighton all the way up the Gulf and then back down the other side, and and even your way, Mac, is supposed to be pretty good for the yellowfin as well. And don't forget just to to have a running running sinker with a with a trace underneath and. Use your tube worms, or if you can pump the live um, clickers, you'll be laughing and you, you should be able to get it, and they're, they're beautiful to eat. They certainly are, mate. I have a yellowfin whiting just about every week. Oh, I'm jealous, man. I'm jealous. I can't wait to head over to uh, Drossen this weekend, and I'm going to have a shot if I don't get the boat out. Beautiful, beautiful. Donny, always a pleasure to have you on, mate. Thanks, guys. Just I'd let you know it's 143 days until we play Carlton, but who's counting, eh? <laughs> <laughs> right, hey, I, could, could I just say, thank God we can close this public thread off. 
I, I, as I said before the show started, I was ready to come on here at three o'clock this afternoon. I was thinking, I'm just going to blast everyone. This is ridiculous. You know, what is the hold up? I'm so happy it's over and done with now. We've got him. We can move on. Absolutely. Go the power. <laughs> Go See the power. boys. See you, boys. Cheers, boys. Can you hear my chair squeaking? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I imagine you, like, um, rolling back with a big cigar, Rick, you know, just looking yeah. outside. A cognac or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nice red wine. Uh, I can't have a cigar. I used to smoke. I'd love to be able to have a cigar, but I uh, I don't touch them anymore. Otherwise, if I have one, I'll start again. So, Fair But enough. the wine or the, not cognac. Whiskey, whiskey might be alright. Straight, yeah. straight Johnny Blue or something. What do you reckon? Oh, no, yeah. not bad. Johnny not bad. I wish I could afford it. Bit of Glen <laughs> or something. That'd be good. Oh, yeah, I like, actually, I'm a big fan. Glen Yeah, I haven't had much of that one. <laughs> <laughs>